Hello, this is Casey with You Are The Limit, here to bring you some great news, some exciting news. If you like what you hear on this podcast, well, do not, and I mean do not hesitate to reach out to me and inquire about me speaking at your event today. I'm running some specials, so reach out to me right now and see what those specials are. I'm talking right now, not tomorrow. Make a decision right now. Info at youarethelimit.com. Info at youarethelimit.com. Act now. Welcome to Mindset Matters, where universal law and law of attraction are exemplified and applied to individuality for self-empowerment. Now, here's your host. You are the limit. Hello and welcome to You Are The Limit, Mindset Matters. Today, we have a special guest on the show today telling her story about what she's been through in her life. So we each have our own story and we each have things that we've been through in our own life and our own journey. And what I have said in past episodes is you can choose one or two roads. You can choose the road that let your story Be you and overtake you and and lead you down a path that you don't want to go down or you could have your story make you stronger. The reason I wanted to interview this person today is because she's a perfect example of how she didn't let her story ruin her. In fact, it did the opposite and motivated her to be a better person, live a great life. And well, anyways, without further ado... I'm going to introduce Miss Natalie Anderson to the show. How you doing, Natalie? I'm doing good. Thank you. So every time I hear anything about what you've been through, it kind of amazes me because, like I said earlier, life could take us in two different directions, and things we go through could either ruin us or make us stronger and propel us into greatness. So I would like you to... Tell us a little bit about your story and the stuff that you've been through in your life and some of the the highlights and takeaways from what you've been through uh, in your life. So what would you say would be the thing in your life that happened to you that motivated you the most to do better and be better? Um, <clears throat> I guess it, it goes back to um, childhood. It goes back to um, witnessing the way my parents, looking back at my parents' choices, basically. And it's kind of funny how you say, you know, we all have our story because that's what it is. It's a story that we, quote unquote, live through, that we remember that we have probably kind of changed a little bit as we tell it because at this point that's really all it is it's a story right um so growing up um i was i was born in the united states in new in new mexico um but i lived in mexico till i was five years old and um, and then we moved to the United States again when I was about five years old. Um, 
my parents um, met pretty young. My dad was pretty young. My dad was 16. My mom was 22. They were together for a while. Had my brother. Had me a few years later. Um, they were pretty poor when they first got married. And, you know, my dad was always trying to find some kind of business he could start or trying to find a good job. Just always trying to find a better, easier route to make a living. And my mom just dedicated her life back then to taking care of us. And um, basically my dad found an opportunity in the drug business, you know, when I was pretty young and found a way to make some easy money, kind of went that route. Um, came to a point where my mom found out a lot of things that she didn't know my dad was doing and kind of gave him an ultimatum of either what do you, you know, you're putting us in danger, what are you doing? We don't, I'm not staying in this house anymore in Mexico. We're moving to the United States. You're buying us a house. Like, we need to get out, of, get us out of this, basically. So, um, I guess my dad agreed, or caved, and ended up buying us a home in the United States and stayed in the business, and eventually got caught. Without giving you guys all the details. Um, it was a short-lived, glorious life for us and for my dad. Um, we went from having a lot. Well, to me, it seemed like a lot because I was a little girl, right? Oh, we have a few houses. Oh, we have businesses. We have a bunch of cars. We have this. We have that. In my mind, I felt like we had a lot to being stripped of everything from us except for the house that my mom made my dad buy us and put it under her name. <clears throat> so it's 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 now that I even like say it it's I'm leaving out so many details but it was basically um a story of my dad was in the picture, tried his best, chose the easy route, easy money, got in trouble, went to prison, got out of prison, got caught again. This time, you know, he was pretty much caught red-handed and ended up fleeing the country. So I'm seven years old and, um, you know, my mom and pe people that are older than me are, are, you know, warning us, hey, you know, you're in, if people come to the house and ask you if you know where your dad is, you say you don't know where he is. In other words, you know, DEA agents coming to the house and asking us, have you seen your dad? Do you know where he is? And we're instructed to say, no, haven't seen him, don't know where he is, don't know anything about it. So that, that alone is a pretty intense thing to, like, have to, like, go through as a kid to... Just know that, like, you have to say this, or you have to do this, or, you know, your your dad could be in trouble, or your family could be in trouble, or whatever. So, you know, you do it. You don't think anything of it, because that's just, 
What you're asked to do. What, yeah, that's just what you know, right? So, um, so basically, you know, my dad was a fugitive. He um, fled the country, never came back to the to the United States. Um, for the rest of his life, until I was about twenty three years old, he was in and out of jail in Mexico. Um, the longest time that he was incarcerated in Mexico was five years straight and I went to go see him when I was 18 I was about to graduate high school and it was like one of the scariest experiences I've ever been through um the order is just not the same as it is in the United States and Mexico as far as the prison goes and they don't have uniforms they're kind of just um out in a courtyard, in an open yard, so you don't really know who's a, who's an inmate, who isn't. They're begging you for money. They're asking you <clears throat> if you need them to go grab you a soda for a couple of pesos, you know, things like that. And I just remember, like, being able to see my dad for, like, a few minutes and then vowing that I would never go back there again. And... And, you know, from age 18 to age 23, like, I didn't hear much from my dad because he was, unfortunately, not only in and out of jail, but he was also, um, he had fallen into addiction years before. But at this point, it was pretty much pretty bad um, to the point where he was on the streets, you know, begging for money didn't hear from him, probably was homeless a few times. I, I don't really know because I didn't have much connection with him in those years. Um, so because of the choices that my father made, my mom was forced into um, going into provider mode. You know, she had to go work and her priority was to work, work, work to make sure that we had what we needed making minimum wage, working two or three jobs, me and my brother just basically um, being able to take care of ourselves. Um, my mother doing the best that she could with what she knew, what she had, but at the same time, not really knowing consciously that she was neglecting us or depending on other people and other um resources to kind of help raise us friends neighbors the lady down the street you know come and get us ready for school that kind of thing <clears throat> so well because i think as a kid you want everybody as a kid wants their their parents around i mean that's the wish for everybody you know as a kid you just want your parents there so in her mind though she was doing the right thing and going out and and bringing money in and stuff like that. But in your eyes, it's all you wanted to do was see her and spend time with her. So it's kind of... Well, yeah, you're in the middle of it. You don't really you don't really know what it is that you're needing. You just know that that this is the routine, right? You know, you wake up, your mom's not there. She's already at work. Somebody's helping take you, take you to school. You get your stuff ready. You get home, mom's at work. Maybe there's food, maybe there isn't. Maybe you eat a bowl of cereal, whatever. You know, it was just, that's just the way it was. And it wasn't like, I was like, oh, I hate 
my life like I I don't have what I need. It was it never felt that way growing up. I always felt like I had what I needed, right? But uh growing up as I got older, um I think you start realizing little things, right? And you see it in relationships with other people and you know maybe boyfriends or friends or whatever and um fast forward to you know I'm 23 years old and my dad calls me and says that he wants to see me and he wants to you know have a beer with me so I, I go to Mexico and I visit him and um we have our first beer together and he basically tells me about his experience you know when he was really deep in his addiction and how low he went um, just to get another hit things that are pretty things that you don't really believe um, you know I'll I won't say much about it but to the point where you're just like in awe like wow I had no idea and I had no idea you were even using these kind of things. I didn't know that you were going through all of this. I, I didn't know. I didn't know what what was of his life, really. And the fact that he opened up to me and then told me that he was sober. It was like, brought so much joy and happiness to my heart, right? It was, wow, he's finally, what well, he's waking up, he's realizing that he's worth living and he's worth being sober through this life and making better choices. So I I went on and had a relationship with my dad, um, mainly just through text message and phone calls here and there. You know, how are you doing, mija? I'm doing good. How are you doing, dad? I'm good. How's life? How are you doing? Checking in at least a couple times a week, sometimes every day during a week. But... Again, I I didn't see him very much. Maybe I would see him once every few years or something like that, if if that. Um, But it was something that I craved, that I wanted. I never had it. So I took what I could get when I could get it, right? Um, Talking about the relationship. The relationship with my dad, yeah. Right. Um, So, you know, but. The thing is, my brother, unfortunately, um, took it a little bit different than I did. Because growing up, I remember, you know, people asking me, oh, you know, where's your dad? Or what does your dad do? Or whatever. And it was always that kind of awkward question. Like, oh, well, my dad lives in Mexico. Or, oh, well, my dad is in prison. Or, oh, I haven't seen my dad. You know, whatever. <clears throat> I never felt like I, I never lied about it because I never was ashamed of my my story or like my parents but it was always I knew it was different than most people what most people would say um, so I think everybody though goes through different things with childhood and different things with their life and and so Maybe you wouldn't say, or certain people wouldn't say certain things because maybe they're embarrassed or whatever the case may be. But so that was brave of you to, you know, kind of tell your story like that. 
Um, but there might be other things that people are going through that they're embarrassed to say. And then when they hear what you're going through, they're like, oh, well, maybe not so bad. So when you go through stuff like that, basically what I'm hearing you say is like your dad pretty much wasn't around at all most of your childhood and, and into even your 20s is what I'm hearing. So it makes it hard. Like you don't know what that relationship is with that male figure uh, known as your dad. And, you know, your mom's also away, you know, and taking care of the house, you know, doing what she has to do to provide for you guys, make sure that you guys have what you need. So in reality, you know, you're longing for both parents to be home and it's not anybody's fault. That's just what was, what needed to happen for you guys to live and survive and have what you need. And like we were saying earlier, so you can go in two different directions with that, like not having any supervision and you got to take care of yourself. I mean, you could even take the same path that your dad took and get into drugs and get into bad things and staying out later or whatever the case may be, not doing your homework or schoolwork and stuff like that. But what I'm hearing that you have actually told me in the, in the past and even now is that you always wanted better for yourself and wanted to live a better life and make better choices and learn from the choices that your parents have made. Yeah. So I, I saw everything as, well, number one, I, I hated seeing my mom struggle. I hated that she was like in pain, that she was working so hard, that she wasn't making much money, that, you know, it was always like, I don't have money, I don't have money, I don't have enough. It, it was like the constant thing. And, you know, I remember saving up my money that I would get like for birthday monies or like chores here and there whatever and I would save it up and I would take my mom my mom out to lunch like that's what I would spend my money on and it was always like embedded in my mind that okay I'm gonna I'm gonna do better and I'm gonna go to college and I'm gonna I'm gonna get an education I'm gonna be successful because I need to help my mom I need to help my mom like that was always like like what I knew I needed to do or it was like, I don't want this to happen to me, so I need to make sure I do what I need to do to not find myself in a position where I, I'm struggling or I'm de I had to depend on someone or whatever. As to where my brother ended up taking the other route, unfortunately, you know, you know he went through some pretty traumatic things himself and it was, e it was easier for him to just follow my dad's footsteps you know start using drugs start selling drugs start hanging out with the wrong crowd that kind of thing and not to say that I didn't make I'm not a perfect angel I had my experiences I went through life I I had no regulations growing up me and my brother could really do whatever we wanted you know we didn't have a curfew we stayed out late we partied we did our thing but in the back of my mind, it was always a priority to me that I knew that I couldn't mess things up when it came to school or when it came to like the things that I, the responsible things that I knew that I had to do. I had a good time. I had a great child. Like I had a great experience living my youth the way you see it in the movies, right? You hang out with people, you go out, you experiment with things, whatever. But I always knew 
that I didn't want to take that other route. And I would see it in my brother. I would see my brother making choices that weren't the best. And I would get so angry with him. And I would literally tell him, you're doing the exact same thing my dad did. You're doing exactly what he did. Why are you doing it? He's an, he's an example of what not to do. Why would you do that? And it was a constant, like, it was almost like I, I, I didn't understand why someone would do the same things knowing what the end result could be. And it built up um, a lot of frustration towards my brother and frustration towards my mom for allowing it to happen, for not um, being firmer with him or even with us maybe, you know, maybe we needed more firmness, I don't know. But, um, but as far as your brother goes, I mean, that's the example that he had. So to him, that's his norm. That was, but I so mean, did it, I though. Right. Yeah. And it's an example of, of, of choice. Yeah. So to him, he's like, well, that's the norm. I, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take that same path because we each have our own struggles and you could say, well, I made a better choice, but you don't know what he was struggling with individually. Yeah. He didn't, maybe he didn't have the strength to make the same choices you did, or maybe he just, yeah. I mean, you never know what an individual is going through at that point in time that encourages and has an impact on the choice they make and the route they want to take. So it's hard, as hard as you, to see somebody go through that, like maybe that's part of his journey. Part of his journey was he needed to pull himself out of that and make better choices. Whether he did that or not was completely up to him. So it sounds to me like he decided to kind of go that route, the same route that your dad did, instead of, you know, making a choice not to. Yeah, and, you know, to be fair and to be transparent, like, I didn't go through a lot of things that my brother went through. My, my brother went through some pretty, like, messed up things. And I didn't learn about those things I was older. So when I saw him making these choices, I was, like, so confused. Like, why is he doing this? Why? Like, I, di I didn't understand. And then I grew up, and my mom told me some things, and, and then it made sense. I was like, oh. And then I could feel his pain. Then I could feel why he chose to escape in the way that he did. But it still hurt because I wanted him to have more. I wanted him to fight through it. I, want, I wanted him to persevere. You know, I wanted him to, to kind of look at it in the face and say, well, it's not going to affect me. I'm going to be brave. But, you know, not that he wasn't brave. It's just it, it just wasn't the journey that he chose or he could choose. You know, unfortunately, both my, my dad and my brother were addicts. And growing up, seeing that firsthand with your brother, it's tough. Because that's like, that was like the male in my life. That was like my hero, you know. And to see him just plummet over and over and at such an at such a young age just being like I remember my mom like waking me up like I'm 12 years old 
waking me up in the middle of the night on a weekday. Hey, come on, go with me. We got to take your brother out of jail. Like, you know, once every few months or whatever. It was just like the norm, right? To just, uh, what did he do now? What is he doing now? You know? And, you know, to the point where the the alcoholism and the addiction was, was so bad that it's the norm to see your brother passed out on the concrete in front of your house or him not sleeping for a few days or you know not working not going to school all of those things it and it was such a dark norm for me because I didn't I knew that it was wrong I knew I didn't like it I knew that he was in pain but I didn't know how to reach him and at some point did you like understand like did you cross your mind that maybe either i can't control obviously what he's going through and there's nothing i can do or say that'll get through to him and change how you know his behavior and what he's doing yeah um well when i moved to i grew up in el paso but when i grew up to austin or i moved to austin um i was a few years in, I remember being very, very stressed out because uh, my brother's best friend had called me and told me that he, my brother wasn't doing very well and he was experimenting with some things that he had never really tried before that were pretty bad and aggressive. And I, I had like this like stress that I couldn't, I just couldn't get rid of it. I, I remember going to my chiropractor and just like, hey, doctor, you know, doc, I have like, I can't sleep. My neck is like super tight. I I bought like 10 different pillows. Like it's not working. And he adjusted me, wouldn't go away. I went to go see him again. And the one thing that he told me was, it's not for you to carry. Basically, he was just like, you know, it's, it doesn't mean you don't love your brother. It doesn't mean that you're not, you won't be there for him. It doesn't mean any of that. He says, but you can't carry that burden as if it's yours. And it was just, it brought a lot of clarity to me. And it was like the first time that I I was able to just kind of like breathe it out and just like, okay, it sucks and it hurts. And I can only be there for him in the best way that I can, but this is his life and this is his journey and these are his choices and it's his sickness. And it just brought a little bit of peace to me because I was living my life with a lot of anxiety at the time, you know, just like, oh my God, you know, what's, what if something happens to him? Like, what, you know, what if my mom finds out? What if, you know, whatever. Everything that, the worst that could happen is what would come to my mind. And for that little bit of time, I had some peace that I was like, you know what, it's not mine. It's not my burden. You know, I, I need to just like live my life. And I did. And he did for a few years. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, um, kind of looping back around to my, my dad is, you know, so like I mentioned earlier, my dad got clean. Him and I had a relationship mainly through text message and phone calls and things like that. And a few years ago, like four years ago, I had gotten a message from my cousin saying that, my dad wasn't doing very well, that he had relapsed and was kind of doing some things that, 
he used to do in the past and it was something that just completely shattered me and broke my heart and I found myself just putting that shield back up because I didn't want to feel that pain again that disappointment that oh I had my dad kind of had my dad back and then now I'm losing him again to the same thing so I I became more reserved towards our relationship um, you know he would always ask me for money it definitely became of well no I can't give him money because what if he's what if he's using it for drugs he probably was in the past I didn't know but all I all I knew at the time is that I wanted to help my dad so I would over and over and over the one time my mom found out she got mad why are you sending your dad money you don't know what he's using it for and of course I wanted to give my dad the benefit of the doubt that he really truly needed it for rent or food or whatever but when I found out that he was using again it was just like I I had to protect myself and um I guess now, almost two years ago now, um, my dad ended up getting back into the business, back into drug dealing, back into addiction, and unfortunately he lost his life, you know, by messing with that stuff. Not, he didn't die from an overdose, he actually was killed in Mexico. And when that happened, it was something that I hate to say, but it was what kept me up at night for a lot of years. So when it happened, it was like, wow, like my worst nightmare just literally came true. So how do you, how do you deal with that? I didn't know how to deal with that. And it ended up, um, making me look at my life from beginning to end it was like all of the traumas that I had been through that I had decided to fight through I had to really look at it straight in the face I had I couldn't like help it I couldn't I couldn't shove it down anymore I couldn't compartmentalize it and put it in little little drawers and put them away and you know, the way I dealt with with it my whole life was I fought, right? I, I, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to do. This is my next goal. This is my next goal. And I achieved all the little goals that I needed to achieve. But then when this happened, it was almost like everything just came to a standstill. And I was able to under, understand how much it actually did affect me not having my dad, seeing the things that I saw, um, not having him around, losing him, you know, to drugs and a lifestyle that he chose. So. Back it, back it up real quick. When you say that you fought through certain stuff, you're going through whatnot. Do you feel in your life that you say you fought, you kept achieving your goals, which is great. But do you feel that all the stuff that you were going through, the traumas, like you mentioned, we're not being fought through and dealt with, but more so just pushed aside because that's what you had to do at the time to keep going and, and achieve what you had to achieve? Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember telling myself, like, yeah, I, I miss my dad. I love my dad. But I'm okay. I've, I've done okay. 
I'm, I know what I have to do. Like, it affected me, but it didn't affect me like it affected my brother. I remember saying those things. Like, yeah, I wish he was around. Of course I wish he was around. But I'm doing okay. Like, I, I, I didn't allow it to take me down the path I knew I didn't want to go down. So I, in my mind, I'm doing great. I'm fighting. It was always like I was always fighting, fighting, fighting for the next thing. Um, but when it happened, I couldn't. I literally, like, could not. I had to just put my hands down and look at my life and reflect on every, everything that was going on around me at the time. The people that were in my life, the relationship that I was in, the relationship I had with my mother, with my brother. You know, it's like everything just came to the surface and I had to address it. I had to. And it was actually one of the best, you know, in ironic way, one of the best things that happened to me because who knows how much longer I would have gone. I kind of want to say numbing my life, you know, some things that, some pain that I had, um, choices I was making, uh, relationships that I was in that really weren't serving me, things like that. So it was very, um, I've always been a spiritual person, always, always, always have been. Um, but this took it to a different level. This took it to a place where I knew that I needed my, my spirituality and my faith to pull me through it more than ever. I always depend on my faith. And, um, for a slight minute, it was, wow, like, what am I going to, how do I even handle this? Like, how, there's no instruction manual on how to handle something like this. But I did, and I did a lot of work, and I, I went to therapy, and I did retreats, and I did, you know, um, a lot of meditation, a lot of yoga, I went on a, a couple of retreats, um. Anything I put, I could put my hands on, I was doing it. I was very, very proactive because I knew that I wanted to feel better and I couldn't wait to feel better. And I couldn't wait to release the things that, you know, were holding me down. Because you can only go about your life for so long, numbing yourself for so long and not paying attention to some of the things that you've gone through and shoving them to the side and keep going because... What will happen is if you choose, keep choosing to ignore those, like I myself have done in the past as well, is you choose to ignore them and all of a sudden, you know, they blow up in your face and you're like, oh, and then they're just presented. And then you start looking at everything and you realize, wow, there's so much more there that I have to deal with than I even thought. And at times it could be even overwhelming because you're just, you're looking at this big, huge mess. Whereas before it's like, you say that you're fighting through it and it's, it's a great, I admire that you're fighting through, you did what you had to do, but now it's just become this big, huge cloud in front of your face that you've got to kind of stare into and deal with. And it gets overwhelming at times. And I know there's a lot of stuff that I tucked away myself and stuff that I went through and I didn't pay attention to. And I just kind of numbed it using, you know, different ways as well. And when you finally step back and take a look and it, it, it takes, it takes, time and not only time but you look at it and just it's overwhelming and like you said you didn't even know how to handle it so you started reaching towards anything that you could 
you know, retreats and, and counseling and just different things. And I started doing the same thing. And I mean, it's either handling it that way and looking it in the face and starting to release those things and realize that, hey, I don't need to carry this stuff around. Because I think a lot of the times you're a lot like me. You look at other people and you want to help them so bad or you take on their pain and you take it on as your own and you're trying to help them and carry it through. But what it does is that person has their own journey to go through and they have their own healing and growing that they have to do. And so you taking on their pain is not benefiting them or you <coughs> at all. And I've done the same thing. It's like you take on their some of the pain and some of the stuff that they're going through in thinking that it's going to help them. But if they're on that path or on that path, there's nothing you can do to get them off that path. They have to get themselves off that path. But what it does, it also adds to the stuff that you've been through in your life and the trauma that you've been through in your life. And I've experienced the same thing in mine. And until you, like you've said, just said, you know, start dealing with some of the stuff and letting it go, you feel some relief. You feel that weight lifted off your shoulders. Well, yeah, I ended up learning about myself that I just had been suppressing a lot of pain and my traumas. I just suppressed everything. I, I, if something was bothering me, if someone was being uh, mean to me or... I don't want to use the word mean, but if someone was triggering me or whatever, I just, I, I couldn't find my voice. And my mom used to even tell me this when I was like 15 years old, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I, I couldn't, I couldn't say it. I couldn't, I couldn't even speak it. So I just, for years and years, I just shoved it down, down, down. Just like, it's okay. It's okay. Like it, let me feel the pain. I'm just going to put it away and it's as if it was never there. Um, so what this did, you know, almost 20 years later, it was like it all just, it all just came up. And um, it just really taught me to, number one, speak up. Number two, not be ashamed of my pain. Um, forgive which I've always been a pretty forgiving person. But when you find yourself in a situation where somebody takes the life of someone that you love, you don't even know who they are, why they did it, who their family is. And I hold no resentment towards that person. And that's how I know that I'm that I have evolved spiritually because there is there is nothing that it would it wouldn't serve me in any way to be angry to hold on to that to be um to nurture you know nurture that that pain and that resentment towards whoever that person was that took my dad's life and well you you empower that feeling by doing that and you make it worse right so what I've said on different episodes, you, you have to look at the world in, in, in general. Like everybody, every person on the face of the earth has their own journey, right? And things, take that, that for example, like somebody came across and took her dad's life. So you don't, this, this gen, or gentleman or person, whoever did it is on their journey. Her dad's on their journey. And then everybody who knows and loves her dad is on their journey. So you have everybody going through different things 
and you don't know what each person has been through or what they've been told to do. Maybe that person was, you do this or your life is going to be taken. I mean, we don't know. So what she's really saying here is it's not healthy to take that on is and being mad at that person because she doesn't even know who that person is and she doesn't know and will never know. And for her to take that on and be angry, it doesn't serve her and it doesn't add to you know, what happened and it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't add to your healing and it doesn't justify anything of, of what happened in the past. And it goes back to saying that that's, that's what us as humans do is we carry the anger, the guilt that I myself have done, you know, the negativity and all it does is just bring you down, but we add it to uh, the baggage that we carry around and, and it's just all part of our life and the healing that we have to do. So. Well, yeah, I mean, it ties back to, you know, the whole point of this episode is tell me your story. So I'm sitting here telling you my story, and this is the story of the shitty parts of my life. <laughs> Sorry for saying that. No, that's but, okay. Um, there's a lot of beautiful and great things about my life. But you notice when someone says, tell me your story, what do we do? We talk about We talk about the painful things. We talk about the struggles. We talk about the obstacles. This is this part. This is a story. This is this part of my life. This story, this little piece, right? Um, I think it's a great piece to share, though, because it really gives people an example of how going through stuff like that, you can take two different paths. Yeah. I mean, you can choose a really dark path, and that's I, I feel your brother kind of took. I mean, he had his own stuff that he went through, and I'm not saying he chose the wrong path. He just chose a path right that's just an option that he chose but you can choose different things with this information and i honestly feel that you've you know it, it's driven you and motivated you to be a better person and the reason i wanted to encourage you to tell that is because everybody thinks their stories are are, are i myself well i've been through a lot of stuff and then you hear stories like that you're like wow okay maybe my story hasn't been that bad or maybe my past that i've been through what isn't that bad but it's not only that, but it just shows that whatever you've been through in your life, it doesn't even matter that you have the power to overcome it and you have the power to heal and grow from it. And that's all part of our journeys. And so that's what I think the beautiful part of that part of your life is, is it shows how much you've grown and evolved from that and where you've been. And that's why I really admire the fact that you chose to share that because it kind of um, exemplifies that for everybody else listening to this. Yeah. You know, like I said, going through that first, like, big traumatic thing in my life was the beginning of reigniting the spiritual life that I have, the faith that I have, the strength that I have, the healing, all of those things. And just as I'm going through that, I'm getting better. You know, fast forward 12 months later, my brother dies from addiction. So here I am again dealing with mm -hmm. the same pain, the same loss if not greater this time, because I shared my life more with my brother than my dad. And at the same time, going through a life change for myself, you know, being in a relationship with you, moving to a different state, a new job, new everything, right? So I'm going through all of this, and I, I feel literally as if I'm floating, and I've said this before, but I, that's how I felt. I felt like I came to California, 
and I was just kind of floating for a few months because I was like whoa like what just happened again like it did you know 12 months prior and I found myself not being able to mourn the loss of my brother because there were so many other things going on and then all of a sudden again I felt you know the the sorrow the the darkness the loneliness the the pain that you don't know how to get rid of without having to go through it not suppressing it not pushing it aside not being angry but going through it like again here we go again i'm gonna face you and i'm going to feel it and it's gonna suck and I had to, and I did. And now, you know, how long has it been now? Um, what was that, June? No, July? July. July? Eight months or so. And I can say that I feel peace, and I feel growth again, and I feel like I'm balanced again, and I'm happy with my life and I'm happy with the choices that I've made and I'm okay with the fact that I know that my brother and my father are in a better place and not in pain anymore they will continue living their life in their soul whatever path they choose to go on um, but it's it's just it's just been a very interesting uh, journey because again you know when I first started going to therapy my therapist my therapy told me therapist told me you either are a fighter or a flighter you were the fighter your brother was a flighter he fled he chose that path I chose this path and you, you know life is a choice happiness is a choice joy is a choice how you treat people is a choice being kind is a choice feeling sorry for yourself is a choice being uh, a victim of the things that happen to you because of you or because you're in the environment you have the choice of either being happy and learning from it and growing from it or not right. and nobody else can help you make that choice but yourself i've said in previous episodes that we all go through peaks and valleys and the valleys you're better off going through your valleys like you said facing it and going through it instead of hiding from it running from it suppressing it because that valley is never going to go away eventually you're going to have to go through that valley eventually you're going to have to go through it. you're going to have to experience that so it's better to just face it go through it and go on to that peak right to the next step of your life rather than get stuck in that valley and that's a lot of the times what what people do is they get stuck so you're saying that you went through it and now you're to a better place and you feel that you've grown and evolved and gotten to a new peak out of that valley yeah so it's all part of your life so in as you go through your journey in life the goal is you're going to go through peaks and valleys, but the goal is to just keep rising, keep learning and growing and go through what you have to go through and learn what you have to learn. That's the whole goal of, of coming here and going through life and going through your journey. And 
I thank you for sharing your story. I really do. I, I really appreciate it. I brought you on the show today because you have, I say it's a beautiful story. I know a lot of people are like, wow, that story was kind of, you know, harsh or whatnot, what you went through, but it's a beautiful story of how you learned and grown from it. And now that, you know, you're, you're, you're at a different place spiritually. And that's, a, it's a beautiful ending to, I mean, like I said before, it could have went a different way. So I really appreciate you. We're going to go ahead and, and end on that note and wrap things up. Thank you for tuning in. Natalie, I really appreciate you sharing your story. It takes a lot of courage to do that. Um, I, I have a lot of gratitude towards you. Thank you so much. Um, everybody out there listening, I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, check out my other episodes. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was great. I'm on Spotify, iTunes, all these different platforms. Uh, YouAreTheLimit.com. Go ahead and check out the website. We just put it up there. It looks beautiful. Uh, there's still some changes I'm going to make to it, but it looks good. Uh, if you have any questions, as of right now, you can email me at YouAreTheLimit at Yahoo.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I would love to hear from you. Email me at info at youarethelimit.com or youarethelimit at yahoo.com. Also, check out my website for a little bit more information about myself, about what I do at youarethelimit.com. Thank you so much. Check out my other episodes. You can catch me on Stitcher, Overcast, iTunes, CastBox, Spotify. I'm all over the place. Thank you so much and God bless.